Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Almost immediately after the announcement, a right-wing frenzy ensued, helped along, I think, by the vaguely ominous title of The Office, and she found herself on the receiving end of a concerted campaign by the very same forces disinformation her office would face, now attacking her and undermining her credibility with wild conspiracy theories and lies. It was so much that yesterday, DHS announced the formation of The Office had been put on hold, and this morning, Nina Jankowicz resubmitted her resignation. Tonight, she joins me for her first television interview. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, first, just to start at ground level, like, what was this thing uh, that, that was announced? And what was it going to do? Well, Chris, it was going to do exactly what you said. It, it, all these sensationalist narratives about what the board was, uh, what people thought the board was going to do are completely wrong. It was a coordinating mechanism. It was meant to, you know, make sure that the very large agency that is the Department of Homeland Security, that people were talking to each other within it. So it's like, what was the experience of being the focal point of this sort of like massive frenzy like over the last few weeks? Well, it, it was really overwhelming, Chris. I mean, frankly, you know, I have prided myself over my career of being a really nuanced, uh, reasonable person. Again, as I said, I've I've briefed and advised both Republicans and Democrats. I admire some of the steps that the Trump administration even took to combat disinformation, including Senator Rob Portman and his bills against deep fakes and, you know, funding the Global Engagement Center at the State Department. So to say that I'm just a partisan actor was, was wildly out of context. And then beyond that, it wasn't just you know, these mischaracterizations of, of my work, but it was death threats against my family. Over the last three weeks, I have maybe had one or two days I didn't report a violent threat, something like, we're coming for you and your family, you and your family should be sent to Russia to be killed, encouragement of me to commit suicide. Um, all of those have been forwarded to the Department of Homeland Security's uh, security services. And, you know, that's, that's not uh, something that is American. That is not how we should be acting when we have disagreements about policy see in this country. I think we need to learn how to be adults in the room. Um, and I don't have time. And unfortunately and ironically, we were undone exactly by a disinformation campaign coming from folks who apparently want to put our national security behind their own personal political ambitions. Your expertise is apparent. I mean, your Chiron talks about the book that you've written about these very inf information. You've just articulated the ways in which you've helped others anticipate the issue. So why was that not anticipated here in the sense of did you not expect that there would be some measure or some inclination to try to use misinformation to sow distrust in the same thing you're trying to do? 
Well, you know, DHS is an extremely large department. 250,000 people work there. Uh, the department had other priorities. It's got a huge mission set. And so at the time of the rollout, I think there were other priorities that uh, were, were kind of put ahead of this rollout of the Disinformation Governance Board. Um, and unfortunately, the advice that I had given was not heeded about how to how to communicate, uh, how to communicate openly, transparently and rapidly. And we created unintentionally an information vacuum that was filled with falsehoods and frankly directed a lot of vitriol um, and digging into my own personal life that I think was entirely disproportionate to the amount of power that I had at the department. These decisions were being made at a much Ooh. higher level than mine. And as a result, you know, my family and I have faced threats almost every day for the past three weeks. I don't think that that is uh, something that anybody should be priding themselves on. And frankly, the the lies and falsehoods that were spread about the Disinformation Governance Board, as I said before, this childish behavior is putting the national security of our country behind uh, this sort of partisan vitriol. And we need to we need to stop that because it's our adversaries who recognize that that partisanship, that politicization is exactly what they can manipulate and why it is exactly the fault right on the the fault line on the right and nicole what this is it's really the long long shadow of january 6th casting over our nation and casting over all of the election systems that our democracy um, holds dear. You have now former President Trump urging uh, Dr. Oz to do what he did in 2020, which is declare victory when he was not the victor. Um, and it, it might be that Dr. Oz eventually wins that race, but that's not the case now. So not only do you have former President Trump um, having broken the, all of the different sort of precedents in our nation and having really tried to, in some ways, with his language and his rhetoric, um, really question the credibility of our election. But you now have a former, you, have a, you now have a formal uh, major party that really is just trying it, it, to, to do everything it can to echo those same lies. And I think what you see here is really, I think, sort of troubling from the experts that I talk to. Um, and they'll continue to do so without breaking a sweat, although you know, David Perdue in, in Georgia is now saying that his election was stolen as well. Look, I mean, the bottom line, Yamisha said it extremely well, it's really January 6th forever. And I think people need to understand that. Um, and Donald Trump has made this absolutely clear by, by telling Dr. Oz, just, just declare that you are a victory. So not only um, is involvement in what we regard as a seditious insurrection, not a negative, in Republican. DHS said today that they'll be pausing the disinformation governance board. Um, did the White House play a role at all in um, perhaps expressing frustration on how it was ruled out or uh, express any um, involvement in how, in if, whether or not it should be paused? Um, and then also some experts have said that it was sort of set up to fail the way it was ruled out. Do you have a response to that? So um, the board has never convened. Uh, it, uh, so that's, it, it never convened. And, it, and the board is uh, is yes, the board is uh, is is pausing, in the sense that it will not convene while former Secretary Chertoff and former Deputy AG Gorlick uh, do their assessment. Uh, but the departments work across several administrations to address disinformation that threatens the security of our country is critical, and that will indeed continue. And again, neither uh, Nina Jankovic nor the board have anything to do with the censorship or with removing content from any
anywhere. Their role is to ensure that national security officials are updated on how misinformation is affecting the, the, threat, the threat environment. Uh, she, uh, she has strong credentials and a history of calling out misinformation from both the left and the right, and that's, uh, and that's our focus. Does the White House play a role at all in whether it should be paused or what should happen with, with the board? No, first of all, like I said, this, this is what's happening. There is a pause. Uh, we did not have an in involvement in this at all. Follow-up to the disinformation board. Last week, you guys said that you needed this disinformation governance board at DHS to make sure that freedom of speech is protected across the country and that these platforms are not used for forms of disinformation. So what changed? Look, the Department of, of Homeland Security, they began their statement report, re repeating that the board had been intentionally mischaracterized, which is a little bit of what you were asking me, and they were explicit about what it does and doesn't. it does not do. Uh, it was never about censorship, pol policing speech, or removing content from anywhere. Its function was to keep Homeland Security officials aware of how bad actors, including human smugglers, uh, transnational cr criminal uh, organization, and foreign adversaries could use disinformation uh, to advance their goals. As Secretary Marcos said, he has asked uh, former DHS Secretary Michael Chernoff and former D D DAG uh, Jamie Gorlick to lead a thorough review, this is the pause that I was talking about, an assessment as members of the Bipartisan Homeland Security Council Advisory Council. The board will not convene during that period, but the departments work across several administrations uh, to address disinformation that threatens uh, the security for our, our country is critical and will continue. So that work is going to continue. So, so if it's pausing because you think the board was mischaracterized, then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation? Is that what's happening here? Look, I mean, the, the board was put forth for a purpose, right? To make sure that we really did, a t a, uh, really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. It's going to pause. There's been a mischaracterizations from outside, uh, outside for and so now where we're going to do is going to we're going to pause it and welcome back to fly over politic podcast this is the 29th of may year of our lord 2022 not feeling good having a bad morning but i wanted to get in the booth and do a short one for you gonna try to go to maverick today um the stomach is not good got gastroparesis that's what they think I have, which means your stomach doesn't work anymore. So, makes me understand why I'm always nauseous, because your food just sits there and ferments. Yeah, good times. Thanks for giving me that medicine, army medicine, and fucking me up for life. But anyway, maybe it'll go away. Who the hell knows? I had to start with disinfo. I mean, I wouldn't be a podcaster if I didn't start with disinfo. I mean, how the fuck can you even bring that lady on TV? Those are just a few, my friends. She was on a lot of channels. They really like that idea. I mean, that was that was an idea they were down with, the media, because they think everything that isn't what they say is disinformation. Most of the show today is going to be shootings. I'm going to breeze over some other subjects, but it's all shootings, because the media has decided to once again ignore certain shootings, like, you know, a Chinese guy hitting a church or black guy hitting a subway. No, we're not talking about those. How about Chicago? Nope, not talking about those. Another white supremacist kid. 
walks into a school. And we're full full gun confiscation again. That's that's where we're at. Ah. Uh, but before we get there, this is really kind of hard to understand. I mean, when Trump was president, everything was his fault. I mean, he was blamed for everything. Um, and I have just like a shit load of articles on how it's not his fault that there was a baby shortage, baby food shortage. There, there, that's not his fault. New York Times accuses xenophobic GOP because they brought out that the baby formula was at the border. So that was the angle. It wasn't the angle that, hey, the federal government shut down a plant and then they didn't really make a plan to fix it. And, you know, hey, that's pretty bad and babies don't have baby for it. But no, we didn't cover that angle. Washington Post fact checker. Biden can't be faulted on baby formula shortage. That was the whole gist of the article. Factcheck.org. The shortage of baby formula has provoked misleading partisan claims that says President Biden is responsible for bare shelves, but the shortage has been caused by a product recall. Snopes. Baby before we can be found and migration processing. For decades, border officials have been required to pr- provide food and water for minors. The U.S. shortage caused by recall, not the border. PolitiFact, mostly false. You, you know how that would have gone on to Trump. He's purposely killing them, especially black babies. He's killing the black babies. All of them. It's it's hard. It's hard as as just an independent to watch this and just are you serious? Are you serious? Seriously? You guys Blame Trump for everything. Everything. And then you saw the intro with the thing. And here's Taylor Lorenz. Nina Jankowitz was officially resigned from Disinformation Board. And then she did a whole article that everybody ate up with a spoon just weeks after it announced the Disinformation Governance Board is being paused and an interdepartmental DHS working group focused on disinformation has been suspended. She's considering leaving. Read my full story. The pause newly created disinfo was created by vicious, coordinated right-wing attacks. See, I didn't know it was a vicious attack just to say, hey, big brother, we don't do that in America. That's not even coordinated. That was the entire, that was lefties. But once again, liberals write history, and now we're writing that, yeah. 
Brett Stevens, and the, these are our reporters. These these are the people. So when we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, killing babies, and the GOP's killing babies because they won't take everybody's gun noise. The United States, writes Brett Stevens, has from its earliest days repeatedly replaced its working class with migrants, not as an act of support, substitution, much less as a sinister conspiracy, but as a natural result of upward mobility. The right has weaponized America against itself. A tweet. Jesus, the media is broken. Yeah. Because you're out of, I mean, you're just out of, you can't protect this guy. These are all his policies. You went from a president who had a good economy and gas was cheap and the war world wasn't at war. And now you have a guy that you can't find a fucking tic-tac. Gas is a billion dollars and Russia is still fighting in Ukraine. We, don't, we just don't talk about it anymore. They're not covering it. One year ago, Biden's approval rating in the AP poll was 63%. Now it's 39. AP Nork poll, President Joe Biden's approval rating dipped to the lowest point of his presidency in May with the deepening pessimism. 67% of the American public say the country's on the wrong track. I don't think that's a right-wing conspiracy. It's just me. CNN, though, is trying really hard. New from Caitlin Collins, the West Wing has been thrown into crisis mode over the baby formula shortage, trying to restock shelves were coming under fire for a mess of things they didn't create. Once again, that's how they write it. And idiots believe it. You know, people who fucking have no IQ above potato, they're just partisans. They believe he wasn't to be blamed for this, but he is to be blamed. He, he did this. That's why people did stickets, stickers. I did that. He built this. You executive ordered energy off the table day one. You kept throwing money at shit. And then when you had your transportation secretary breastfeeding his, clutching his baby with his gay husband for two months, you let the supply chain go to shit. I mean, you didn't fix it. Still haven't fixed it. Still pictures of boats. They're just thrown out. It's not, it's not fixed. One of my favorites of this week, literally, was this. WAPO reports about Georgia voting flushes another Biden dim Jim Crow. Voting is surging in Georgia, despite Democratic claim that a new election law would make it harder to cast a ballot. That's from Glenn Kessler. Glenn Kessler who hated Trump, carried water for everybody else. They even have tried to rewrite that Stacey Abrams was part of the boycott that moved the MLB. That's a thing. Yeah. In In just April, there have been more border crossings than there were for the rest of the year. Just April. So it can't be a 
right-wing conspiracy, can it? Here's some prime cuts. I got a, you, you got fuckface Harwood, who literally is saying inflation isn't that bad. Tucker is the devil, Seltzer, and a Wallace soundtrack, just before we get into the good shit. You say that Washington isn't really having an honest conversation about inflation. In your new piece, you say it's largely a charade, but sometimes charades work. And as that right. new CNN poll shows, if 77% of people think the economy is doing poorly, even if overall families are actually spending roughly the same and, and doing okay, what does that tell you? Well, you're exactly right, Laura. Uh, it, charades do work, and this one's working very well. Um, uh, that's what the polling shows. But uh, I think you have to step back a little bit and think about the, the content of the conversation. Uh, Republicans act as if uh, the uh, inflation problem was all created by Joe Biden. Inflation's uh, surging around the world, somewhat higher here, and Biden's policies uh, may have contributed to that. The American Rescue Plan was likely too big. Uh, but that's not the principal cause or, of why we have inflation. Those of us in the media act as if it's Joe Biden's problem to solve every day. What are you going to do about inflation? It's not Joe Biden's problem to solve. It's the Federal Reserve's problem to solve. Why is consumer demand so strong? Because the U.S. government, under both Trump and Biden, put a lot of money in people's bank accounts. That is uh, uh, cushioning the blow of inflation, but people aren't focused on that part. They're just focused on what they see at the gas pump. Yeah, there's also a two-tier angle of that. I mean, you look at most households, median income and higher households, are in a much better position they are today than they were after the Great Recession. But low-income households right. aren't. And, and the, I think the White House has struggled to try to break through with how mm -hmm. some of uh, Biden's policies could help those lower-income Americans. It is very tough when people are in a mood as sour as this one to... And, and Ben, I guess that's what's so shocking is, is, is that it, we've, we've, you've, you've reported for years, and we're used to uh, people putting up crazed manifestos. Uh, on uh, 4chan, crazed manifestos before killings. Uh, the killing in New Zealand seemed like a, a crazed manifesto from a lone wolf. Uh, uh, but here we are years and years later, uh, and it has become mainstream. Again, House Republican leaders not only are using this in ads, but the silence is deafening. No one's criticizing TV hosts that are, are, are making millions off of uh, preaching hate, uh, spreading the great replacement people on social media.
marry whites to eventually kill whites to just generally take over the electorate. Now, this is a large group of people. This is a community on the Internet. It was a community that had more standing for this person who was a child when he started to get radicalized at 16 years old at the start of the pandemic on 4chan. He said he got radicalized out of extreme boredom uh, at the start of 2020. He was 16 then. And that's what happened here. He found that community there in that online space when he couldn't go outside. He couldn't meet people in real life. So he was closer tied to these mass shooters online than he was to anyone in real life. And then there are people in the mainstream who are uh, seeing this as an opportunity. There are a lot of online people on the right who are young, who don't necessarily ascribe to old-fashioned GOP ideology. They don't care about taxes. They think climate change is real, for example. This person, uh, you know, uh, Peyton Jenner, the, the suspect, you know, he was a, a self-admitted eco-fascist, which basically means he thinks climate change is real. He thinks all of the uh, uh, the, the degradation of our uh, ecosystem is real. All of that stuff is happening. Pollution is real. But his belief is that you have to hoard stuff. You have to separate stuff by race and that the race that should remain is white people. So this is a new kind of fascism. This is a, uh, in terms of uh, ties to the mainstream right, but it's very real with young people. It's really happening. And there are people, and I, I don't think we should be dancing around this name. There are people like Tucker Carlson who are directly trying to preach to these people. There are people on 4chan who call him our guy, the only guy in the mainstream mm. media who speaks up for him, for them. Uh, that, that man is actively uh, trying to appeal to these people. It's extremely dangerous. He's the highest rated show in cable news. It's extremely dangerous when he is actively trying to appeal to people who have this very warped idea of reality based on white grievance. Really quick, what about a vigilante law on the on the other side? I mean, obviously, if the Supreme Court has greenlit vigilanteism, why doesn't the left come out with laws about illegal guns? Well, that's that's a good question. And um, and, when, and and when you're dealing with guns, you're really dealing 85 percent, 85 percent of Americans would like to see more gun safety. But what would that be? No, it, just, it just seems that the right gets away with things that are, you know, 65 percent of the country opposes and 85 percent in the case of these statewide yeah. bans. Well, the thing I wouldn't want is people taking guns away from other people. But the idea of but maybe instituting guns, a lawsuit against somebody guns. who has illegally right. sold guns, uh, things like that, that seemed to me possible and reasonable. All right. To be continued. Margay, thank you for being part of our coverage. There's another side. All right. Joining us now, CNN political commentator S.E. Cup. You know, S.E., I think we need to be careful, actually, referring to this as fringe based on some of the polling here. The AP did a poll. Roughly one in three, 32 percent adults agree that a group of people is trying to replace native born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains. How does an idea like this get to 32 percent? Well, right. I mean, you have to you have to say at the outset what the shooter did was his, you know, his decision alone. No one, as far as I know, told him to go out and shoot up a, a supermarket. But there is a cause and effect to amplifying this garbage. And some of the consequences are intended, right? It stirs up racial animus, ethnic animus, religious animus. That is the intended effect of turning neighbor against neighbor and getting people angry and afraid. Growing the that, that base that is angry and afraid is part of the, the consequence. That's how it spreads. The next consequence is those people go out and vote for characters who believe in that.
folks like Marjorie Taylor Greene or Lauren Boebert or name your nationalist or anti-Semite or you know conspiracy theorist, uh, those people get elevated. And then finally, those people run, right? You get more uh, Kathy Barnett's who spew Islamophobic and anti-LGBTQ stuff, conspiracy theories. They feel empowered to run because this garbage that was once disqualifying has been so mainstreamed by political leaders and far-right wing media that they're not wearing hoods anymore. They're not hiding in the basement. They're out in the open talking about this um, you know, openly as if it's no big deal. Well, and I think that's one of the most grim aspects of this is to see the parallels with other shootings. And in this manifesto that the right. authorities say was authored by this suspect, he references Dylan Roof, who, of course, carried out the racist attack in Charleston in 2015 that also left church members dead. And it, it just you see how so much of this is like the shooting that happened at the mosques in New Zealand. You just see all of these parallels between these different attacks. It's compounded and compounded and compounded. And and, you know, you see you see it in the numbers, the rise in hate crimes, the rise in extremism. Um, and, and folks on the right don't even acknowledge that that is real. Tucker Carlson has said right wing extremism doesn't exist. It's not a thing. So there's the disinformation, the conspiracy theories, the racism turning people against each other, the fear mongering. It's this cauldron of hate and it's metastasizing in our country. And I just want to say to these people who used to be colleagues and friends, what are you doing? When is it going to be enough? We've had an insurrection. We have a rise in hate crimes. We have these horrific shootings where people are telling you exactly why they're doing it because of stuff you're saying. When is it going to be enough? When will you have reached your disgusting, gross goal? And, and when will you stop feeling completely disconnected from all of this? Like you've done nothing to get us from A to B. When will it be enough? Sorry, I probably should have put a hat on. Feeling a little better. I got something in my belly. I, well, this is the worst thing I've ever had in my life. I'd rather lose a limb. Ghost pain is better than nausea. That's all I'm saying. So you heard a lot of white replacement theory. How white replacement theory evolved from elderly racist to teen online to the alleged inspiration of another racist mass homicide. You know, um, by now, most of you, you, you keep up, you've already seen it, but I'm going to play it. And remember in 2012, when Barack Obama won, all you were told is that demographics our destiny. It is the secret to the entire immigration debate. Demographic change is the key to the Democratic Party's political ambitions. This conspiracy theory has been increasingly echoed by many who are on the right. Those like Fox's uh, Tucker Carlson, uh, who continue to push dangerous and baseless conspiracies. I really think because of demographic changes in this country, I think that the Democratic Party is going to win Texas moving forward and the Democratic Party is going to be in power for the next 30, 40 years. The demographic change that's happening in America right now 
gives the upper hand to Democrats. This census that just came out especially drives home the point that Texas is next. It's a state where the demographics are changing in ways that are favorable to the Democratic Party. Demographic changes that help the Democrats. Democrats for a decade now, along with Arizona and Texas, have had on this sort of long-term project of, of trying to take uh, some red states across the Sun Belt and flip them blue as demographic changes are taking place there. Democrats should be asking themselves, as a matter of fact, why aren't they dominating the political landscape? Two decades ago, the influential book, The Emerging Democratic Majority, predicted they would due to demographic changes in the country. We, we, we've been predicting for some time that demographic changes were going to eventually move North Carolina, Georgia, Texas. Stacey Abrams and her former campaign manager, Lauren Groh Wargo, argued in a recent New York Times op-ed that any state can turn blue. Demographic change will pre precede electoral opportunity. If you look at what's happening in Georgia and in Texas, just the demographic changes alone over the last 10 years uh, gives us some measure of. So who, once again, I've shown on this, I'm not even going to pull the picture out. I can pull the picture out. We can replace them. Shell Goldberg, New York Times, 2016, after Trump lost or Trump won. They've been pushing that Dem is destiny, that, that, that the white American is gone. We're being replaced. It was always a lie. America is still 70% Caucasian. But they, they said that forever. That was their deal. They could crobble together Pacific Islanders. That's why they have all these months, you know, the uh, left-handed uh, Asian Pacific transgender month and all this bullshit. You could put it all together with all the acronyms for all your little grievance groups, and you were going to be able to own all elections. There was never going to be a Republican president again. That's why the media blew the fuck up when Trump won. It was just a shock because they had been saying that for four fucking years. Democrats own the demo. They were going to run the country forever. And there was nothing you white, gun-owning, Christian, rural love your family, believe in God, fucking bigots could do to change it. You're the past, and dudes with dicks that call themselves women are the future. Go fuck yourself. But yeah, it's Tucker. It's Tucker Carlson. He, he's he's the one. Yeah, that's, that's it. So for the media jerk-off, you know, Ben Shapiro does it well, much better than I could ever do it. You know, there are, there's always the way it's covered. If it's black on black, you never hear about it. If it's black on white, they start with the tragedy and then it goes off like Waukesian. If it's Asian, if it, if a good guy with a gun stops the shooting, it never makes print digital or paper. But if it's a white supremacist, it is an orgy of idiocy about how Republicans, Christians, gun owners are all to blame for a shooting by a crazy guy. 
and that we need to take away all guns. Never mind that only 400 people a year are killed by long guns. It's mostly pistols. Never mind that he legally acquired this gun. Never mind that there's no way you could get the 50 million ARs out of America because the bad guys would still have them. Never mind any of that. Never mind that blue people all own guns because you let BLM and Antifa destroy cities for a fucking whole summer and you told us to shut up because we're bigots. So everybody went out and bought guns. Never mind all that. It's your fault. You're a bigot. I am a politic. The media jerk off of the week. Reverend Sharpton, we have a toxic stew here. White supremacy ideology that's spreading. Easy access to guns. Permissive internet culture that, that almost uh, encourages uh, sharing of this uh, far-right ideology. Where do we start? We start by changing the tone nationally. We cannot just keep going through, as you said to Mayor Brown, we've heard mayors say this before in the government, federal government doesn't do anything. Last night, uh, when I started getting calls from our National Action Network chapter in Buffalo, what happened? And then uh, I started getting calls from government officials. First thing I said is President Biden needs to call a summit meeting of black, Jewish, Asian leaders and sit down and talk about the growing problem of hate crimes and that this government will not stand by and allow this to happen. We need to have a tone where young guys like this understand the federal government will come down on them. They're monitoring what's going on and they're not going to tolerate it. He should do this right away. We, I mean, we've gone from tree of life to from Charleston to, to now we're in Buffalo and we're just putting out regular press releases rather than dealing with this with the urgency that it requires. And, and I, I, I reached out to ADL head Jonathan Greenbat and others and said that we ought to jointly go to the White House and deal with this because it is not just blacks, it is Jews, it is Asians, it is LGBTQ, it's hate everywhere. Latinos in El Paso. Latinos, yeah. really Latinos. So it's hate everywhere. The yeah. president needs to... You know, it has been the story of our time. It has been the story of America. These sort of twin uh, cultures, not only gun culture, but also white supremacist uh, culture as well. And gun culture, uh, in some ways, be being used to re reinforce uh, white supremacy, as we saw uh, in, in this instance in Buffalo, and as we've seen in other instances, El Paso, uh, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, in Charleston as, as well, uh, a few years ago. You know, Biden was talking about two Americas here. He talked about uh, the ordinary African-Americans, many of whom uh, came to Buffalo fleeing racial violence. You think about uh, the, the ways in which uh, these northern uh, black towns came to existence. Uh, a lot of those folks were fleeing uh, oppression in uh, the South, only to be met with oppression and racist violence uh, in, in these northern cities. Going about their daily lives at a grocery store, that is one America. And the other America, uh, the kind of racism that is coursed through 
through this country uh, for decades and hasn't been uh, denounced enough, hasn't been rooted out enough. You know, oftentimes it is African-Americans who talk about racism. It is really a white cultural problem uh, that white Americans have to come to terms with. Why is it that uh, African-Americans and brown and black people uh, more generally are seen as the other or demonized uh, so easily in a lot of our politics? You know, we sort of talk about white supremacy, but it's also the ways in which people talk about folks coming across the border, the demonization uh, that goes around uh, about those folks, that somehow they uh, also are a threat uh, right. to Americans. There, there are a lot of people who say that they're not racist, they've never said a racist thing, who use words that are code. You mentioned silence encourages this, so do certain words mm -hmm. and certain actions as well. And so the president there. Scott, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the possibility of Roe v. Wade being yeah. overturned. Um, and, you know, I find that nowadays politics and business are somewhat synonymous. Do you feel like it's an obligation to step in when these issues arise for your employees? So I, my obligation, I think, is, is to do the right thing for our employees. Our recent advertising campaign is good leads the way. We've tried to do the right thing throughout. Uh, my preference is to lead by example. The work that United has done on sustainability, on diversity, even what we did with vaccine requirements, that was controversial, but we took action. It's mm. talking. Let action lead the way and do the right thing for, for our employees and our customers. Nate raised a good point about companies that are starting to speak out about controversial political issues. Do you intend to speak out publicly about these issues? Uh, you know, I, I when we need to, we will. Uh, we have tried, however, to really focus on letting action lead the way. You know, one of the frustrations I think we all have with politics, it's become divisive. People are against the other side yeah. as opposed to for things. Yeah. We can do things like the Aviate Academy, which is training the next Good generation job, yeah. of pilot, yeah. but it's also affecting diversity. That's inspirational to people. It's yeah. positive, lead by positive example. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities for us in corporate leadership to lead by positive example instead of just. And when they keep saying this is not who we are as America, a lot of people are saying, who are we really as America? Well, unfortunately, we do have a certain history and this continues. Exactly. It. Yeah, we can be both. We should be we a do. great country, but yes. also deal with some of these tragedies. Yeah. This is who we are. But I like how you say there on page 22 early in the book, no sources of outrage more deeply embedded in American life than structural racism and determined efforts of some to pretend it does not exist. To paraphrase William Faulkner, institutional racism isn't dead, it isn't even past. It isn't past. That's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people don't realize how, I know all the politicians say it, all the elected officials, the FBI directors have said it, both of them, uh, Comey and Christopher Ray. but the American people, I don't feel, still understand how serious this problem is. I mean, Gail, when, this, when, when you guys started yesterday in response to Buffalo and I saw you, I'm tired of being angry. Yes. And I, I, how do you not feel that after decades and decades and decades? Not like Jim Crow was just around the corner. I mean, right. we elected Obama, did it make a difference? The fact is the United States today is the most politically divided and dysfunctional of the advanced industrial democracies. Mm. The dollar is really strong. People want to come to our country still. We've got this great technology. Our military certainly works. We see all of that. And yet, Washington is so... We know what the Democrats are up to here. They want open borders. This is exactly their strategy. Uh, they want to replace the American electorate. With a growing number of Republican lawmakers now openly promoting the far-right so-called great replacement theory. For many Americans, what seems to be happening or what they believe right now is happening is uh, what appears to them is we're replacing national-born American, native-born Americans per to permanently transform the political landscape of this very nation. The racist anti-immigrant theory that says non-white immigrants are being brought to replace America's white population. 
This administration wants complete open borders, and you have to ask yourself why. Is it really they want to remake the demographics of America? Democrat politicians who have decided that they can't win re-election in 2022 unless they bring in a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here. That's what this is about. The theory has been amplified by voices on Fox News. I mean, everyone wants to make a racial issue out of it. Ooh, the, you know, white replacement theory. No, no, no. This is a voting rights question. I have less political power because they're importing a brand new electorate. Why should I sit back and take that? Joining us now, CNN political commentator, S.E. Cup. You know, S.E., I think we need to be careful, actually, referring to this as fringe based on some of the polling here. The AP did a poll. Roughly one in three, 32% adults agree that a group of people is trying to replace native-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains. How does an idea like this get to 32%. Well, right. I mean, you have to you have to say at the outset what this shooter did was his, you know, his decision alone. No one as far as I know told him to go out and shoot up a, a supermarket. But there is a cause and effect to amplifying this garbage. And some of the consequences are intended, right? It stirs up racial animus, ethnic animus, religious animus. That is the intended effect of turning neighbor against neighbor and getting people angry and afraid. Growing the, that, that base that is angry and afraid is part of the, the consequence. That's how it spreads. The next consequence is those people go out and vote for characters who believe in that. This garbage that was once disqualifying has been so mainstreamed by political leaders and far right wing media that they're not wearing hoods anymore. They're not hiding in the base. President saying hate and fear is being given too much oxygen in this country. He said those who use it for power, political gain and profit, he called them out. David, I think there is no question that this is the strongest condemnation yet from Joe Biden since he took office against the hate, the racist hate that is ripping this country apart. You heard him label this a racist rampage and calling it out for what it is terrorism, calling, as you know, white supremacy a poison. And what is really remarkable here is that President Biden directly called out the members of the media and those in the political sphere that are allowing this hate to fester. The president calling out those who are allowing this kind of hate to radicalize individuals through the internet into believing this kind of fringe racist replacement theory that was espoused by the alleged shooter in Buffalo. And the president saying that those who spread lies for power, political gain and profit must be called out, must stop, because of course it is the diversity of this country, as the president noted, that, that makes it so strong. And I think the, the history here is important to remember, as you noted, President Biden was inspired to run for office because he heard those chants, those racist chants of those marching through Charlottesville, Virginia. This was at the core of President Biden's campaign, and his critics have said that he has not so far taken enough action on this, that he hasn't used his bully pulpit, his microphone, the power of the presidency and his political weight to call this out. Today, he is taking very direct steps to address that criticism and try to begin a really uh, impossible task of, as president, directing and trying to respond to hate and- Hold I mean, I mean, look, let, let's be clear. Uh, the stuff Tucker and Laura Ingram say every night, it, it, it could be written by white supremacists very often. There is a section of this manifesto uh, where the shooter starts talking about, people always say diversity is strength. How is it strength? What do we, and it, it, I could hear it in Tucker's voice. He says this all the time, right? But the Ben Shapiro's of the world say, 
play there. So there's a big chunk about uh, about the idea of, of genetic differences that could have been pulled from an Andrew Sullivan column, right? There are plenty of people in our politics, in our media, who advance these ideas and advance them frequently. Uh, but beyond that, though, uh, I, I do think the point you're making here is right. We cannot simplify this specifically just to a specific network, uh, even to specific online spaces. Uh, we have to have a conversation about our political rhetoric in our country, right? Mm. Immigration for the last several decades has been the most salient topic in our politics. Mm. It's what Donald Trump uh, rode into power or something Republicans have seized upon. It's something that in our rhetoric and in our conversation, very often mainstream political forces have been remarkably irresponsible in the language that you've used around immigration, around race, um, in ways that have fueled and empowered white supremacists. And again, it's not just people on the far right. I mean, we're talking on CNN where for years Lou Dobbs was given an hour every night to say some pretty racist things about immigrants at the heart of this conversation. And so I think it's something that we all have to take very seriously because when we take it seriously, it forces us uh, to actually consider the words we use, especially when we're advancing stereotypes about immigrants, about Jewish people, about black people, the way George Soros's name is thrown around, the way people talk about immigrants and crime. Right? All of show the American people want change. 56% support an assault weapons ban. 86% support a red flag law, allowing authorities to temporarily take guns away from people determined to be dangerous. And 89% support background checks. Still, for most Republicans on Capitol Hill, those issues are non-starters. The majority of Americans support expanded background checks. Why not support it? Unfortunately, what uh, some people do is immediately want to take people's Second Amendment rights away, and I'm not willing to do that. Many Republicans didn't want to talk about the issue at all. Do, do you support expanded background checks? The majority of Americans support it. Do you support it? The majority of Americans support background checks. Do you support it? Democrat Joe Manchin and Republican Pat Toomey have proposed a bill to expand background checks, including for sales online and at gun shows. But it needs 60 votes to pass unless Senate Democrats change the rules to pass it with a simple majority. Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona won't do that. Senator Sinema, do you support changing the Senate Sorry, rules guys. in order We're to pass gun control legislation? 19 children are dead. Thanks so much. Can you give us a comment about it? Texas Governor Greg Abbott told reporters today that children are a blessing, a gift, he said, that was taken away from parents here in Uvalde too soon. And while that's certainly true, children are a blessing, guns are a right in this country because of 27 words the Founding Fathers tucked into the Bill of Rights in 1791. Now the question becomes, have the times and the weapons changed beyond the original scope? A discussion we may finally be ready to have in America. Children are a blessing, guns are a right. Our collective inability to stop the menace of mass shootings, though, in this country counts for nothing less than a curse. But there has only been inaction when it comes to the issue of mass shootings. In 2004, the federal ban on assault weapons expired. Mr. Biden repeatedly called for it to be reimposed. In 2013, after the Sandy Hook massacre, Congress came close to passing widely supported expanded background checks, but failed to do so amid opposition from Republicans and red state Democrats. And in 2019, the Trump administration banned bump stocks, devices which increased the rate of fire for semi-automatic weapons, a move that had limited impact. Tonight, the Senate's top Democrat said he'll give his colleagues more time. John, the magnitude of this tragedy was such that President Biden had to address the nation when he came back from this long flight from Asia. And as has become familiar, uh, he empathized with the parents and the families of those who 
uh, lost loved ones in this tragedy uh, as a parent who himself has lost children. Uh, he also expressed outrage uh, as he implored Congress to do what it hasn't done after so many incidents of this kind, including Newtown, uh, which is to take some action on gun restrictions. That's right. And that, that is the one time uh, in recent memory when Congress was able to act. But of course, the assault weapons ban uh, expired and was not renewed by Congress. Now, one thing the president did not do in his statement was point a finger uh, specifically at a political party. President Obama was willing to do that in the statement that he put out. He said it wasn't just it's not just the gun lobby. It is a political party that won't act. The reason President Obama said that is that this is not a generic failure of Washington or Congress. This is very specifically about the Republican Party. And that's because the same extremism that causes so many Republicans to reject election outcomes has locked the party into resistance to almost any uh, restriction or legislation uh, on the uh, purchase and ownership of weapons, including assault weapons. Now, uh, it is possible that uh, in an otherwise very promising election year, Republicans to decide to try to take this issue off the table by doing something. I noted on Twitter last night, Brendan Buck, who was a former top aide to uh, two Republican House speakers, said, I think there's a good chance that a background check bill passes in Congress this year. Uh, but uh, after so many failures to act before, this is clearly a Despite calls from activists to cancel this event, the NRA is carrying on, setting the stage for a collision as protesters also flock to the city. The city of Houston is on edge ahead of the NRA convention. Democratic Mayor Sylvester Turner said the city has to honor its contract with the NRA, no matter how he feels. There comes a point in time when people have to recognize that it's disrespectful to be talking about guns when 19 kids have been killed. For the Republican Party, the moment is a reckoning with its long-held alliance with the NRA on gun rights. What are the specifics we should focus on, John? Because I think everybody just thinks assault rifles have to go. Good, we're talking about background checks. But assault rifles to civilians who don't have formal training why is that so hard? That's not even on the table, and that table's exactly. not even in the room. So, uh, and also, by the way, uh, even if it were on the table, you'd have an immediate debate about what an assault weapon is. But let's back up and what's actually being discussed, which is some federal legislation that would nudge states. So again, it's not federal legislation that would do something, but that would, that would get states in a position to have red flag laws, which are essentially, if you know somebody is talking about uh, doing harm in, in school, you can get a court order to get their guns taken away from them. There are some states that already have this, Indiana, Virginia, others, and so there is, there is some bipartisan support around that. But the key thing to remember here, you need 60 votes in the Senate to get anything done because the filibuster means you need 60 votes. So if you're Democrats and you can get all of your 50 members aligned, which is also not certain, you then need to find 10 Republicans to get anything passed. Anything that's going to get 10 Republicans is not going to be anything close to what you're talking about in terms of assault weapons, raising the age for ownership of guns or, or and putting any kind of I'll tell you this, Alex. So we heard from the governor yesterday at that press conference, right? He was, of course, pressed once again about changing gun measures here in this state, right? Should the restrictions on purchasing the ARs? Um, we know Beto O'Rourke has obviously also been um, um, trying to get ARs banned in the state. That is part of his um, campaign platform in running for governor of the state. Um, I asked him, who you just heard from, 
guy who's had multiple tours overseas in the Middle East who knows how to fight with an AR, right? He's given an AR when he enlists. Um, should an 18-year-old be able to buy an AR? Absolutely not, he tells me. I said, what is an AR used for anyway? I know you, this is Texas. I know people like their guns in Texas. People own guns in Texas. We know that coming to this state, right? This guy owns multiple guns. He goes out and hunts. And he said, there is no use for a regular layman to have an AR. No yeah. use at all. No. If you want to shoot not. an AR for fun, go join the military. That's what he said to me. Go join the military if you want to shoot an AR. Um, right. And so this, com this, this community, they are reeling. The state is reeling. And across the board, people have said, the police did not respond appropriately and in time, and yeah. something needs to change. That is for damn sure. Okay, Yasmin, thank you so much. I know we'll see you in another 45 This, And I just wonder about the Republicans as they hear about this today, as they're approached about this. Will they cower from the cameras? <laughs> Wouldn't they want to step up and honor the dead and talk about the fact that we've got to find common ground to stop these massacres from happening. Why not try something different? Even if you don't completely agree with it, Ted Cruz, Mitch McConnell, all the Republicans, the Republicans going to the NRA annual meeting. Will you really go there this weekend and not talk about it? Will you not talk about it? You won't even bring it up at your annual meeting on weapons. So my question for you, Fred, because you've been asking these questions for years now, what has the dark of night after this slaughter brought you to? What, what's, what's going through your mind this morning? I didn't sleep last night. Um, you mentioned Ted Cruz, honestly, Mika, he can go himself, I'm sorry. He put out a tweet. <clears throat> saying how sorry he is, how he sends his um, thoughts. I sat with him in his office three years ago, and, and, and I begged that in person. I begged him. And no, he won't change because he is evil. But I begged him to do something different, to be different. And he went forward from that over the next few years, and he mocked the idea of doing anything to reduce gun violence. This is on Ted Cruz. This is on Governor Abbott, who begged for more gun sales in Texas. Okay, they did this. And so no, they're not gonna change, but we need to be so brutally honest about who these evil people are and vote. Um as you know, the authorities say the suspect in the Buffalo shooting drove hours to a predominantly black neighborhood where he then shot uh, 13 people, killing 10 of them. Uh, what was going through your mind uh, when you heard about that, that there was, there was this premeditation, obviously, behind all of this? Well, the real question is, what will we do as a community, as a society? Are we going to continue to allow domestic terrorism to dominate uh, the public discourse every so many months. We have seen this before. The question is now what? When will the Justice Department aggressively pursue these domestic terrorist sales that are populating on social media platforms? When will social media platforms finally stand up to their community responsibility and, and, and remove these the, remove the sales? When will News Corp stop funding Fox News to promote uh, uh, theories that only divide and create tribalism using NFL funds. We have to talk now about now what? 
how are we going to pivot away from this domestic terrorism that we have seen? For African Americans, we know what it means for domestic terrorists not to be held accountable. It means for us more domestic terrorism. We have to, to come to grips with white supremacist behavior uh, and all of the racist dogma that's out there that's causing harm to African-American community, to the Jewish community, to the Latino community. We have to stand up as a society. And Derek, uh, I mean, you teed up my next question because as we mentioned, so many of these mass shooters have been motivated uh, by this insane theory that they need to save the white race. Uh, but this idea isn't something that just exists on the dark fringes of the Internet. As you know, this rhetoric has been mainstreamed by right wing media figures like Fox's Tucker Carlson. Uh, we've put together a compilation of just some of the things he said on his show about this great replacement theory, as he calls it. Uh, let's take a look. I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement, if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's, that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. We've never seen demographic change like this. It's roughly the equivalent of a brand new city of Chicago every year a city populated entirely by poor people with limited education who can't speak English. And the question is, how is it good for America? Where exactly is all this criminal white supremacy, this right-wing domestic terrorism that poses, quote, the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland? Where is it? Well, of course, it doesn't exist. And those are just a, a few examples, Derek. Uh, when the New York Times recently ran an expose on Carlson's record of promoting white nationalism and replacement theory, he tweeted out this, a picture of himself holding up the article, the front page of the New York Times, and laughing about it. Uh, Derek, as you know, millions of people absorb this garbage on a regular basis on his program. Fox does nothing about it. Uh, they make millions of dollars off of it. We have not shied away from calling that out uh, and calling Tucker out on this program because what he is doing is very dangerous. Um, what do you think can be done about this, and what do you say to all of that? Well, first of all, Fox News is funded through carriage fees from Comcast and other platforms, and that funding is a result of News Corp getting an NFL contract, which generates millions of dollars. The, the advertisers for NFL, the NFL must stand up and tell News Corp to drop Fox News, stop funding them. Secondly, all media have to create a new narrative. Every 12 to 18 months, we get more red meat, whether it was critical race theories before, replacement theory now, defund police before that. It's all red meat to generate this type of energy that's negative, that's based on tribalism and destructive to our democracy. So there are ways to get to it. But finally, if we're going to charge rappers with the RICO Act, shouldn't we be looking at the RICO Act to charge domestic terrorists who have caused harm, murdered individuals, and terrorized our nation? At some point, we have to come to grips that this is a national security issue. For African-Americans, we know it decades long. There are things to be done. Is there the political will to make it happen? in the corporate space, in the political space, and in the community space. We must demand more and different.
And, and Derek, it's happening up on Capitol Hill, too. I mean, uh, Adam Kinzinger is calling out the number three Republican in the House, uh, Elise Stefanik. Uh, she has been uh, essentially peddling this uh, great replacement theory, too. Here's Adam Kinzinger. Did you know Stefanik pushes white replacement theory? The number three in the House GOP, Liz Cheney, got removed for demanding truth. GOP leader, talking about Kevin McCarthy here, should be asked about this. Um, are you worried about the direction that we're heading? It's not just on Fox. It's happening in Congress. It, it happens in production studios across the country, mainstream, Fox News, and social media platform. The question is, what type of America do we really want? Do we want to allow people to use this red meat to try to get tax concessions, or do we want to pull this nation together and focus on the external threats as opposed to allowing the internal threats to continue to pull us apart? That's the real question all of our platforms. Well, it's very dangerous. And people who have uh, positions of power, positions of influence, to use those positions in ways that animate terrorists, domestic terrorists, to inflict the kind of harm that we saw in Buffalo, it is just despicable. So uh, over the over the weekend, Adam Kinzinger highlighted uh, the number three Republican in the House, Elise Stefanik's use of the white replacement theory in an ad. He wrote, uh, did you know that Elise Stefanik pushes white replacement theory? The number three in the House GOP, uh, Liz Cheney, got removed for demanding the truth. The Republican leader should be asked about this. It's not just Elise Stefanik. If you watch Fox News, this is the mainstay of their primetime hours. Tucker Carlson discusses it in sometimes euphemistic form, but not really that all that euphemistic. What does this country do about the way in which this idea of white replacement has just become part of our politics? It's a really, really uh, tough question because we don't have, you know, legal instruments in this country to restrain radical speech uh, in that way. And, and I'm not saying uh, that we should. I, you know, I don't think the government should be uh, you know, sort of knocking on Tucker Carlson's door at uh, 2 in the morning because of the stuff he says on his show. But it's a cultural problem when our political leaders and the leaders of big institutions in this country have decided that they are either going to look the other way when mainstream political figures use that kind of rhetoric or even indulge them and engage in it uh, themselves. And it, it's one of the, to me, it's one of the most disturbing things that has happened since I have been a political reporter is this cultural shift where this stuff is not just sort of spouted on you know, minor talk radio stations by fringe uh, state legislators, but where you know, prominent people in Washington and on national television say this stuff and there is no penalty for it. And I don't know what that penalty uh, ought to be, but I think we, we can all agree that there ought to be some kind of cultural guardrail yeah. that says when you veer into that area, you pay a price for it. I think we should be uh, honest here that white, while white replacement theory is a conspiracy theory, a, a, a racist baseline from the, where these folks are wor working off of, White anxiety is a potent form of politics. You know, telling telling kind of the white voter that that there is that there is a fear that is justified that they should act on is a main form of our politics that people have been acting on. And so I think you know I did a, I did a set of stories about this in 2019, particularly about white motivation in Republican politics. That took me from Pennsylvania to 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 North Arizona to St. Cloud, Minnesota. I mean, this is a cross country 
phenomenon where the grassroots folks are really feeling uh, a, a sense of a sense of anxiety. And that, I got to say, is not something that they have made up. Right. That is something that has been imposed from media, but also is true about a cultural uh, a changing nature of this country. We do have more black and brown people having voice. Right. We do. Have, yeah. Yeah. We do have a literal change in this country. And though I don't think that justifies violence, obviously, that does not justify hate. But that do think fuels that anxiety that we are seeing uh, uh, politicians try to capitalize yeah, on. Yeah, I, I do think that also there's a through line here. I mean, uh, Charlottesville was not that long ago, mm -hmm. but just the, the the strong connection, those people in Charlottesville chanting, you know, Jews will not replace us. This this alleged gunman was a devout anti-Semite in addition to being a racist. Uh, there is a through line here in American politics, no question. Unquestionably. I mean, again, I think that we have to actually look at what the ideology of white supremacy preaches, right? And it sounds insane. It's a conspiracy theory, right? But they believe, people like this believe that there's a cabal of Jewish people who are purposely, uh, they're purposely sabotaging the white race, bringing immigrants in, bringing migrants in uh, to exterminate their race, right? And so when we understand that, it starts to underscore how dangerous so much of the rhetoric is in our politics as we see how closely it veers towards uh, these conversations that are happening often in the fringes, but increasingly in our mainstream politics. Right. And there, there is, you know, it, there's a question about how much should this be regulated. But I think just from a decency perspective, there's an expectation, I think, that our political leaders will step up and say something about this. I know that was long, but that's none of it's true. We have background checks. The poll is misleading. Do you believe in background checks? Yes, we have background checks. But with HIPAA, you can't find out if a dude's a fucking mental problem because you can't connect those two things. You just can't. The comments and veracity, it's a whole show in itself, but because I'm doing a catch-up show and I'm going to see Top Gun today, I... I, and you wouldn't want to listen to it. It just, it's so fucking long. It's uh, SE Cup, the toxic garbage being pushed by Mega, Q, Fox, and even some GOP members of Congress has real consequences. But these are the same people who insist right wing extremism isn't a threat to our national security. You have one guy doing a shooting. You got people shooting each other every day in Chicago. But yeah, it's it's white, rank, white, white. Yeah, got it. Governor Phil Murphy. Cue the expected and pitiful expressions of thoughtful thoughts and prayers from those held so powerful in the grip of the gun lobby. I think every single one of these them know where they can shove their thoughts and prayer. One weekend in America, more than 20 people shot in Milwaukee, one killed and five wounded at a church in Laguna Woods, two dead and three wounded at a flea market in Houston, 13 shot, 10 dead in an act of domestic terrorism in Buffalo. As it pertains to Buffalo, cue the hurried backpedaling from right-wing politicians who've openly peddled the garbage replacement conspiracy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, 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 you know, let's, let's do what's called facts. The NRA almost filed bankruptcy. It contributed $2 million to the 2020 election. How much dark money did the left get? Planned Parenthood, who gets paid by the government to kill babies. $655 million. We hand them every year. They put in $40 million. 
There is no gun lobby. The gun lobby is gun owners. It's just people who believe in the right to bear arms. They don't believe the fix on this is to take the guns from the people who didn't break the law because somebody's going to break the law. We don't do that for anything else. We don't take away cars because people speed. We just don't. It's the dumbest thing in the world, but that's their answer. It's always their answer. AP Stylebook made sure we did the most important thing because this is our media because they are the left. We don't use the term manifesto in reference to a racist diatribe. It glorifies racist hatreds. Other terms such as diatribe, screed, or writing can work instead. So we're more worried about that than people getting killed. Hmm. WAPO tries to draw a direct link between Buffalo Killer and GOP Elise Stefanik. Number three House Republican Elise Stefanik echoed racist theory allegedly espoused by Buffalo Suspect. It is the game they've played all week. That if you say, hey, Biden and company are open the southern border because they want to use those people to win elections forever, which is a totally true statement, That's the replacement theory. The replacement theory is that it's white replacement. Biden company want to replace blacks, gays, everybody who's an American. Black people want the hate to stop. But it's only getting worse. And they ran all these articles with fringe groups that nobody's heard of, nobody participates in, nobody knows. In the few marches that have happened the last decade. That was good. Gloria Johnson. This is a Tennessean. You know where that 18-year-old racist from Buffalo did not learn his racism? His public school. Do you know where the might have learned the anti-racist? How to be an anti-racist? His public school. They taught factual history and systemic racism. I know he wasn't from Buffalo. I was referring to the mass murder in Buffalo in case you aren't from a red state. The education reference relates to the whitewashed version of history we are required to teach. It's all relativism. You can link it all. And then then here's just a a list, and I'll, I'll be brief. Buffalo shooter is chickens coming home to roost for GOP's rhetoric, Chuck Dodd. Horror in Buffalo, a culmination of white grievance, effort by Trump, GOP Congress, and conservative media. Morning Joe. Many conservative politicians promote racist conspiracy theory. Gail King. Make Republicans own racist theory. Right-wing media are not wearing hoods anymore. Tucker Carlson is partly to blame for shooting. He should be jailed. Fox News GOP do not care how large body count gets. Lawrence O'Donnell. Most racist show ever, Tucker Carlson. That was uh, Nicholas Cafasori and a New York Times article that I was going to cover, but it's such a diatribe. It's that bullshit where he talks about immigration and they construe it as the replacement theory. Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingham, and Ben Shapiro parrot white supremacy. Played it. GOP can't stand against white supremacists because they are their voters. Joe Behar threatens GOP congresswoman. WAPO senior editor, invented for Nazi infantrymen, the Armalite 15. That's actually not true, but it was a version. It's not like what it is, but okay. Got to get the Nazi in. You know, we haven't done that in a while. They miss Nazi. Trump's not in office. And then, of course, 
the staged event that was treated by most media, other than CBS, surprisingly, good for them, as a heroic act. And of course, I'm talking about Beto. Fuck you, asshole. You asshole. This is why we can't have nice things. You asshole! Are you just an asshole? Is that it? Fuck you, you asshole! You ever hear the saying, you run into an asshole in the morning, you ran into an asshole. You run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. Fuck you, asshole. You! You are such an asshole! You You dumb asshole! Asshole. Fucking asshole! Away from me, you asshole. You were in the room, my goodness. Uh, could you make out what was being said by Better O'Rourke? Well, I did see what happened just before the press conference started. I was in the third uh, third aisle, um, third row on the aisle, rather, and there were two people across the aisle from me, and a moment before the press conference started, they got up from their seats when Beto walked in. So they were seat holders for him and then he sat down so his presence wasn't really noticed in the 15 or 20 minutes that people were gathering inside because he was not in the room so this seems something very clearly staged by Beto O'Rourke and his campaign wanting to confront the governor at this moment excuse me excuse me Excuse me. So sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. No. He needs to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to us over. This is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a bitch that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Yeah, you want me to come in? So we're following some developments here at this news conference here in Uvalde right now. That is Beto O'Rourke, who is telling the governor of Texas right now another shooting is going to happen, essentially putting the onus on the governor and the leadership in Texas right now, confronting him face-to-face -face at this news conference over the killings that happened at this elementary school. We should mention Beto O'Rourke is also running for office here in the state of Texas, statewide office. He is being escorted. Uh, we're going to cut back in here uh, as the lieutenant governor begins his remarks. Uh, his earlier remarks directly to Beto O'Rourke, former congressman now running for governor from the great state of Texas. He said, you sick son of a, a word I can't repeat, sit down, you are out of line. This a difference of opinion, you might say, in the most dramatic form over what exactly is to blame for the massacre in the building behind me and what exactly this community needs now. Healing for those who are suffering or a change to policy to help the next victims, the victims to come. Uh, so it was staged, as you point well, out, of course, a press conference, which is what was going on on the stage, is also staged. Uh, so some political do-si-do -si -do here in the state of Texas. Beto Rowe came in there and just blew it up by demanding answers, saying, you know, mental health is a problem, it's not the solution. He said, basically, the definition of insanity is allowing an 18-year-old boy, essentially, young man, to buy an AR-15-style rifle with a high-capacity magazine without uh, necessarily a background check or needing a license. This kid even didn't even have a driver's license, couldn't drive a car. Um, 
that is what uh, O'Rourke was here to say. Um, it was obviously a, quite a dramatic way to make a point, um, and it essentially destroyed that press conference. Um, and he's still holding court right now, talking about what actually needs to be done, making a big point of noting that Governor Abbott is going to headline the NRA meeting in Houston here in Texas this week. So we're following some developments here at this news conference here in Uvalde right now. That is Bill O'Rourke, who is telling the governor of Texas right now another shooting is going to happen, essentially putting the onus on the governor and the leadership in Texas right now. You can hear the passion in O'Rourke's voice. He went, yeah, he's a fucking asshole. Nicole Wallace complains. If that's how they treat Beto O'Rourke, who was a member of Congress now running for governor, you have to wonder what's going on down there. No, we have to wonder why Beto's a fucking asshole. Why? Why did he have to do that? It was staged. CBS even said it was staged. He brought his own film crew. And I didn't play his outtake because that wasn't what it was about. The media left the conference to go out and listen to Beto. Talk about taking people's guns. Remember, he sold T-shirts. God damn right, I'm going to take your AR-15. Then he started his governor campaign saying, I'm not against the Second Amendment. I'm for people owning arms. Now he realized that's not working because he's never going to win. So now he's going with, I'm taking all your shit. I'm big brother. And he thinks it's going to work. It will in Austin. Maybe Dallas. Not anywhere else. Hot take. Republicans are complicit in school shootings to discredit institutions of democracy like public schools. Ruth Ben Gist. Republican complicity in school shootings is part of a larger political design to discredit the public sphere to get Americans to divest from the institution of democracy, starting with schools. I was about to tweet about this, but the Federalist makes my point. No. No, it doesn't. Joe Scarborough defense of Beto O'Rourke stick stunt doesn't hold up fact check. There are several here who fit the definition of sick son of a bitch in this picture, but none go by the name of Beto. Look, instead of the freaks who keep gutting gun laws so 18-year-old kids can buy weapons designed for war, go into schools and slaughter babies. That is sick. There's no laws. There's no truth to any of that. But he's Joe Scarborough. He just makes shit the fuck up. It's his whole thing. His whole purpose is just to fucking lie and make shit up. Make shit up. That's his deal. Utterly deranged threads suggest that Uvalde's student's death is karmic justice for her grieving father, a parent support of gun rights. Ten-year-old Armini Joe Garcia holds up a school certificate naming her the honor roll at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas, at 10 a.m. Tuesday. Hours later, she'll be killed. The shirt reads, fuck you and your gun-free zones. I've never seen irony done like this. Jesus. The father of one of the victims from Texas shooting was pro-gun and literally championed Kyle Rittenhouse. Is this what it would take for y'all to wake up? Karmic justice. They're sick, man. They're just sick sons of bitches. Chuck Schumer. I'm taking it to the vote. I'm going to do everything. Election year, his, his caucus gets with them. We're not doing shit about this. The left is so good at that. They can get away with it. Well, put your money where your mouth is. You own Washington. Take the guns, motherfucker. 
You have the House. You have the Senate. Take them. Your own people don't want to take them because they know it wouldn't fix anything. And the moment you start confiscating doing a Australia thing, guess what? Everybody's going to point back, well, that, that didn't work. AOC, it all connects in their sick, sick minds. There's no such thing as being pro-life while supporting laws to let children be shot in their schools, elders and grocery stores, and workers are in the house of faith. So it's about abortion again. Parkland, they brought out the ex-Gonzalez Latino lesbian who was a media darling. Aiding and abetting Marco Rubio and Senator Rick Scott, you have the power to do something right now. Why don't you just admit that you're fine with this debt? It's in Congress' shoulder now, and it's always been. Do your fucking job, McConnell. John Harwood, to state the obvious, political paralysis on guns is not about Congress or Washington. It's very specifically about the Republican Party. They want dead babies. There's whole threads of sickos making it about Abbott. Task and purpose, a veteran website. Why are Americans forced to feel the same fear that I did as a soldier in Iraq? We shouldn't have to live like we are deployed in a combat zone. And and we don't. Nice job, buddy. WAPO, maker of the rifle in Texas massacre, is deep-pocketed GOP donor. They gave $70,000 to the GOP. And now they're going after the gunmaker. Yeah. Going after the gunmaker. Because, you know, makes sense to them. It all connects. It all connects. Everything connects. It's what these sick sons of bitches do. But don't worry. During this week, when it wasn't about taking your gun, it was about and protecting children because children, it's all about the children, the children. Nancy Pelosi. I'm channeling my Ben Shapiro there. They want to kill the children, but they want to save the children by taking the gun so that we can kill more children. They didn't let up on abortion. They called is candidly and openly calling for a nationwide ban on all abortions with no exceptions for rape or incest. And if I've got that wrong, I would invite Ms. Foster to correct me. Do I have it wrong? Yes or no? Um, If we added rape and incest exceptions, would you vote for it? Okay, I reclaim my time, of course. Uh, the, this is a position for government-compelled childbirth in all cases so extreme that it excludes the vast majority of Americans of all political persuasions. Talk, for example, to our Republican colleague Nancy Mace, who has written movingly of her own rape at age 16, and she refused to stand down before anti-choice extremists What do you say a woman is? I believe that everyone can identify for themselves. Okay. Um, Do do you believe then that men can become pregnant and have abortions? Yes. Mm. There's a bulletin now that DHS is worried if Roe v. Wade is overturned, there could be violence against the Supreme Court building or Supreme Court justices. Are these threats from pro-abortion activists or anti-abortion activists? 
So look, the president is clear on this question. He believes the right to uh, peace, to peacefully protest in this country is fundamental. Uh, but he also believes that violence, threats, and intimidation have no place in political discourse anywhere. That is true whether it is in front of a courthouse or in front of a healthcare clinic. And that's the thing. I feel, it, it seems like to us, uh, it, it is very one-sided on what we call out uh, as, as intimidation or as violence. So so Roe versus Wade has not yet been overturned. Let's say the governor signs it tomorrow, then what? So we're in this weird holding pattern where we've seen this draft opinion. It's not the law of the land yet. If it becomes the law of the land, then the Oklahoma law could be tried. Someone could try and challenge it in a court, but it's probably not going anywhere because the Alito opinion draft is so radical so radical step and saying all these kinds of laws are okay even a nationwide ban on abortion should the republicans take the house and senate would be permissible it looks like under the alito draft opinion and you know steph this is not about protecting life which is what oklahoma is saying it's obviously about a war against women i mean this is from a state oklahoma that ranks 44th in education 41st in women in poverty 42nd in general child well-being and stuff like that and you know forget about children if you just want to talk about infants you know 200 republicans today voting against a bill to ease the baby formula shortage um you know it's just this is it's not it's not what they're saying it's about democrats neil katayal just gave you your campaign messaging write it down well getting on board doctor would require people having a basic understanding republicans are showing their lack of understanding of the reality of when abortions are performed during wednesday's hearing let's take a quick listen to what gop representative mike johnson asked a doctor on the witness stand do you support the right of a woman who is just seconds away from birthing a healthy child to have an abortion I think that the question that you're asking asking does not realistically reflect abortion care. In that in scenario, the would you would you support her right to abort that child? I won't entertain theoreticals. It's not a theoretical, ma'am. You're a medical doctor. I am a medical doctor and that has never happened. Good for this doctor, right, doctor, for standing her ground and saying, you're an idiot, you know what you're doing. She said it more politely than me. You know, GOP lawmakers are making the spread of disinformation and misinformation a congressional art form. But what can health care providers do to combat this disinformation? You know, Dr. Robinson is one of our most prolific and, and articulate advocates for abortion rights. She is certainly a hero in the movement, and, and all of us watching her were cheering her on um, in that congressional hearing, for sure. Um, you're right. So for a long time, um, anti-abortion extremists have used the legislature to actually perfect their disinformation campaign, to prime the public for um, a scenario where they don't trust public health. And the truth is we're seeing the repercussions of that in other areas now, right? Responses to a pandemic, for example. I really think it is critical that we as healthcare professionals, professionals our organizations, um, that we all stand up and, and we really make clear medicine is to be practiced in the room with a patient and a physician and that there is no space in our exam room. for Many Democrats are angry. You're, I know you're one of them. Uh, a lot of people in, in the grassroots are despondent over this draft ruling. And one reason mm. why they're, they're upset is because conservatives have played the long game here. You know this. They have said over and over for decades mm. that this was their goal, to overturn Roe v. Wade, and that Democratic leaders should have seen this coming. I'm sure you've heard well, this, I too. Mean, well, no, I mean, the point is, is 
Who would have ever suspected that a creature like Donald Trump would become president of the United States, waiving a list of judges that he would appoint, therefore getting the support of the far right, and appointing those anti-freedom justices to the court. So this is not about long game. We played a long game. We won Roe v. Wade a long time ago. We voted to protect it over time. We have, have elected a Democratic House of Representatives that is pro-choice. Uh, the, again, you had 60 vote thing in the, uh, the Senate uh, and, and some lack of clarity on part of some of the Republicans who say they're pro-choice and then vote against a woman's right to choose. But it isn't. It, let's not take our eye off the ball. The ball is this court, which is dangerous to the freedoms of our country. So, Beware in terms of, of uh, marriage equality. Uh, beware in terms of other aspects of it. And so it is. Uh, let's not waste our time on that. The fact is, this is a dangerous court to families, to freedom in our country. And that is why people have to mobilize. My saying is we don't agonize, we organize. And what, we go out there and, what and make sure people know that if they actually elections for people who say oh but you're you know you're you're harming a life i believe this is life well some religions don't so how about that our jewish brothers and, and sisters they are able to have an abortion according to their faith you know there are so many faiths that do not have the same definition of life as fundamentalist christians and so we, how, what about their rights? What about their right to exercise their faith? It's ridiculous. And it is, it's, it is theocratic. It's authoritarian. It is wrong. Taylor Greene is kicked off of everything. But that idiot who puts her face in cold bowls of water is allowed to run her cock trap. And I, what, what's wrong with us? What is wrong with us? I, I, I just don't know. Time for some woke. Turn it up. Turn it on. Rock it like we bear to the bone. Get on the floor. Run it loose. Gotta put these two little feet to you. If you need education in the party scene. As you think you can dance with me. This ain't no joke. Turn up. Let's get Something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate. We have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do. 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of Millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. <laughs> uh, 
And then who's going to buy this chair? <laughs> I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? <laughs> In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. <laughs> and it's okay to ask questions about something that's very new and involves children. The answer can't always be that anyone from a marginalized community is automatically right, trump card, mic drop, end of discussion. Because we're literally experimenting on children. Maybe that's why Sweden and Finland have stopped giving puberty blockers to kids. Because we just don't know much about the long-term effects. Although common sense should tell you that when you reverse the course of raging hormones, there's going to be problems. We do know it hinders the development of bone density which is kind of important if you like having a skeleton. <laughs> Fertility and the ability to have an orgasm seem also to be affected. This isn't just a lifestyle decision. It's medical. Weighing trade-offs is not bigotry. Yet when a book questioning the sudden uptick in transitioning children was released, a trans lawyer with the ACLU named Chase Strangio tweeted, stopping the circulation of this book and these ideas is 100% a hill I will die on. How very civil liberties of him. Chase, by the way, has just been named one of the grand marshals of this year's New York City Pride March, along with three other trans people and a lesbian. Huh, what's missing here? Oh, right, a gay man. <laughs> That's where we are now. Gay men aren't hip enough for the gay pride parade. <laughs> Compared to trans, gay is practically cis, and cis is practically Mormon. <laughs> and this is a phenomenon we need to take into account when we look at this issue. Yes. Part of the rise in LGBT numbers is from people feeling free enough to tell it to a pollster, and that's all to the good. But some of it is, it's trendy. Penis equals man. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Remember, the prime directive of every teen is anything to shock and challenge the squares who brought you up. It's why nobody gets a nose ring at 56. <clears throat>
And if you haven't noticed that with kids, doing something for the likes is more important than their own genitals, you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> Dr. Erica Anderson is a prominent 71-year-old clinical psychologist who is herself transgender and who now says, I think it's gone too far. The L.A. Times summarizes, she's come to believe that some children identifying as trans are falling under the influence of their peers and social media. If you attend a small dinner party of typically very liberal upper-income Angelinos, it is not uncommon to hear parents who each have a trans kid having a conversation about that. What are the odds of that happening in Youngstown, Ohio? If this spike in trans children is all-natural, why is it regional? Either Ohio is shaming them or California is creating them. <laughs> it's like that day we suddenly all needed bottled water all the time. <laughs> if we can't admit that in certain enclaves there is some level of trendiness to the idea of being anything other than straight, then this is not a serious science-based discussion. It's a blow being struck in the culture wars using children as cannon fodder. I don't understand parents who won't let their nine-year-old walk to the corner without a helmet, an EpiPen, and a GPS tracker. <laughs> and God forbid their lips touch dairy, but... <laughs> But hormone blockers and genital surgery, fine. <laughs> Talk about a nut allergy. <laughs> I, uh, I guess penises are gross now, but <laughs> one might come in handy later on. <laughs> and if you're a man who wants to experience life without a pair of balls, you do not have to get surgery. You can get married. <laughs> Oh, we joke. <laughs> and never forget, children are impressionable and very, very stupid. <laughs> Kids don't know why mom drinks every day or <laughs> why dad has two cell phones. <laughs> Maybe the boy who thinks he's a girl is just gay or whatever Frasier was. <laughs> Maybe the girl who hates girly stuff just needs to learn that being female doesn't mean you have to act like a Kardashian. <laughs> Maybe childhood makes you sad sometimes, and there are other solutions besides hand me the dick saw. And look, I'm sure the vast majority of parents do not take this lightly. And that is very hard to know when something is real or just a phase. And I understand being trans is different. It's innate. But kids do also have phases. They're kids. It's all phases. The dinosaur phase. The Hello Kitty phase. One day they want to be an astronaut. The next day you can't get them to leave their room. Gender fluid. Kids are fluid about everything. If kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. <laughs> I... I wanted to be a pirate. 
Thank, <laughs> thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. If you've lost Bill Maher, maybe you've gone too far like this teacher here. But this is just a couple articles. I'm going to play a cavalcade of LGBT bullshit on t- Twitter. This is all from Libs of TikTok. And a Rufo symposium. You know, I, I think we've talked about it once on the show. This is big money. This transgender shit's big money for a lot of people. And it's big time sick. Hello, and welcome to the Disney Plus This Is Me Pride Celebration Spectacular. I'm Nina West, and I'm here to guide you through a magical, musical, and meaningful celebration of the LGBTQ plus community. Glisten's mission is to create safe, and inclusive schools for LGBTQ students in grades K through 12. And Disney Plus is so proud to support this wonderful organization. For more information, visit www.glisten.org forward slash pride. Now, I'd like to shine a spotlight on a fellow queen who knows a thing or two about creating an epic Disney Plus inspired look that set the internet ablaze this last year. Esteemed guests and friends, I give you my friend, Jackie Cox. Oh, you didn't think you were the only magical girl in town, did you? The name's Agatha Harkness. What's yours? <laughs> Who's been messing up everything? It's been Agatha! It's been Agatha all along. So, for those of you that don't know, my name is Lyric. Um, today making a video that isn't like the other content that I typically make. Um, basically, I'm raising money to help fund my son's transition-related costs. I'm sharing this with his permission. Um, basically. We already have a diagnosis of gender dysphoria for him. Um, We have gotten his blood work done and we need to start him on puberty blockers as soon as possible. Now, I personally, I didn't, I transitioned later, so I wasn't familiar with how puberty blockers worked. Um, Basically, my insurance doesn't cover this, which is wonderful, right? Um, The generic version of Lupron that we have a 22 and a half milligram dose that is going to cost out of pocket $468 per shot. And each shot lasts three months. So we need four of these a year. Um, it's what, close to $2,000. Um, I have already exhausted most of my funds. I need help. I want to raise money to help cover his transition-related costs as um, it's very difficult to come up with that sort of money on short notice. Um, I know that I'm asking a lot, but I would do anything to make sure that he is able to continue his transition seamlessly. 
So I'm here to clarify and speak some truths about what's happening with gender-affirming care in adolescence. Um, most of the bills that are going through right now aim to limit this care for people under the age of 18. And there's this false narrative that a lot of teenagers are having gender-affirming surgery. Most of the teenagers that are having surgery are getting chest surgery, and most of that is happening before 18 because these individuals didn't have access to early enough medical treatment. So using surgery as sort of this false narrative to attack gender-affirming care as a whole is not correct. The truth is that by limiting access to medical care with some of these bills, you're actually going to cause more people to need gender-affirming surgical care in the future. I'm a teacher in a very conservative state, and so sometimes students ask me, why do I have that pride flag? And to me, that's the most important part of my classroom. I'm not LGBTQ. I'm totally straight, married to a man, but I need my students to know that they are safe and they are loved here without making a big deal about it, without having like a big conversation. So by having just that teeny little flag at the front of my room, I can communicate to them that I support them and that this is a safe place for them where they can focus on learning and that means everything to me. And if a student has a problem with it, then they can find a different teacher. So here's what feminizing medications do in kind of a very rough um, timeline of kind of when they do it. So the early on, and I say zero to three, but probably more likely zero to six months after starting estrogen and or the blocker um, of different sorts, I expect to see people having decreased erections and I expect them to have no more spontaneous erections. Um, I expect to see a stopping of the making of sperm. Um, maybe not none, but very, very little will be produced over the course of four to six months. I expect to see a decrease in that sex drive. I expect to see softer skin. I expect people to experience nipple sensitivity, and that is the earliest form of breast development. And after nipple sensitivity, um, within a, a month or two, they'll start to see breast budding, which is a very small kind of marble-like tissue that starts out behind the nipple that's palpable and very, very tender. Um, and people notice that. Um, I expect to see hair growth slow down. We know that hormones and blockers don't stop body and facial hair from growing but they dramatically change the texture of that hair, make it more manageable um, if they're shaving or removing it in some other manner. All right, banana prosthetic. So this, they have so many different packers, all right? This is a company out of Quebec and they have like, I don't know, eight different packers. So it was really hard to choose which one I was gonna showcase in this uh, presentation, but I decided to go with their smallest one because I feel like a lot of the prosthetics are just big and people don't like to pack big all the time. They just like to know that there's something in their pants. So, I mean, it really depends on how you feel, right? So this is what it looks like and it is pretty small. I actually really like this prosthetic because it does leave a nice small bulge and that if you're like a smaller person or if you're a kid and you want a prosthetic that's a little bit smaller, like this is the way to go. There are a couple of things though that I'm like, I emoji at, however, it is really hard. So if somebody grabs you like, oh my God, you're hard because it is a very hard silicone. However, because of that, you don't have to powder it. So there are some like give and take depending on the prosthetic. Um, and then you can't really lift the shaft away from the balls. 
Um, and just to kind of let you know, I do tend to ask these companies to send me some of their darker shades as much as possible so, so that I can show a little bit of diversity. I don't have a lot of those here for some reason, but I try as much as I can just because it's not fair that I only have Caucasian white, super light skinned ones. So just to kind of show you here. Um, I am Rachel Simon. I use she, her pronouns. I am a psychotherapist, educator, consultant, and author. Um, I run my private practice here in Philadelphia, and I am the author of the Everybody Book, which is a, an LGBTQ inclusive um, sex ed resource for seven to 12 year olds. So I know. That yeah, yeah. And I love that you said that this, this talk specifically was geared towards teens, but you're so right that sexuality education starts the minute you're born. I mean, we have, we're born with bodies. These bodies are cool. We want to touch our bodies. We're learning about, um, privacy and, you know, being sexual in public from a very early age. We're learning about, so drop the cons of talking about sexuality with parents and getting our sexual info from parents in the chat. Um, because we're getting some of that embarrassment, awkwardness, those can be cons. They don't want to talk about it. Uh, homophobic and transphobic ideas from parents can absolutely be a problem. <laughs> Inescapable judgment. Yeah, bigoted, misinformed parents who have no idea how to talk about gay sex. They're biased. If they are religious, it can be very difficult to get into the conversation with them. Yeah, sometimes you can get stonewalled out of information. So in that, we have Disney Plus with the tranny. That's an ad because, you know, Disney isn't trying to manipulate your kids. You fucking bigot. What are you taking on Mickey? Panhandling trans dad that shouldn't have kids. Surgeon upset about it because he's making a lot of money. Another teacher with their flag. And then you saw all the stuff there. That's just one symposium uh, that Chris Ruff Rufo found. The Mazani Center, which secured $5 million in government contracts, promoted feminizing hormones for children, demonstrated artificial penis packers, and encouraged teens to distrust their bigoted, misinformed parent. Only thing I could find that shows hope, a transgender psychologist has helped hundreds of teens transition, but rising numbers have her concerned, and she was blackballed. And it's a very good article. LA Times got to get past the paywall, but there's a problem. These kids are being brainwashed and they're making decisions they don't want to make, but you're making them make it. You're making them make it because it's politics. That's all it's about. It's politics. Get them woke. They vote for you. Start them young. It's some sick shit. Other government money. NPR sets up tip line to curb mass mandate violators, uh, even termination within their building. And we're paying for that. One of my favorite articles this week. I just love this. San Francisco Archbishop bars Pelosi from receiving Holy Communion due to abortion support. It instantly brought out people who have never, ever, ever, ever been religious talk about it but it gives us our this and this is america no our lighter fare from matt three tunes vids 
And another one, somebody took a Russian tank destroyed and made a David Atterburn nature scene, and it was just really funny. So let's get our laugh on before we close out the show. I'm Joe Obama, and I'm owner of the Disinformation Governments Board. Man, we're going out of business, man. All our disinformation has got to go. Get 50, 60, 70, even 80% off on all disinformation. We got disinformation on Hunter Biden's laptop we weren't able to sell. Disinformation on inflation. Disinformation on high gas prices. Disinformation on job reports. Disinformation on how our administration is performing. It's great. So come on down to Uncle Joe's disinformation board. Do you think they'll be able to sell all that? In this economy... I can't believe the Supreme Court. We can't have men making decisions about women's bodies. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not all women have uteruses, and some men do. Oh, you're right. So, who should comment on what decisions who can make? Women should get to tell women what to do. Wait. Then cis women could exclude trans women from their spaces. Turf! Okay, okay, hold on. I got it. Cis women can make choices for cis women. Trans women for trans women. Uh, gender isn't just a binary, you turf. How about this? Zim should be able to comment on what Zers and Cs do. And Zs should be able to comment on what Zers and hers do. But Zers should really only comment on what Zs and Zims do. No, no, no. Guys, this doesn't make sense. Gender identity shouldn't affect your role in society at all. Each gender is equal and should be able to comment on whatever it wants. Yeah, we need to stick to the point and categorize people on the basis of whether they have a uterus or not. Everything else is just arbitrary discrimination. Uh, that's true. But what would we call them? Mm, uterus people? Eh, that's kind of wonky. What about womb men? Womb men. I like it. What about people who don't have a uterus? Just men. To constantly remind them that they don't have a womb. Ha! So how can we be sure who should and shouldn't comment on these things? Well, I mean, we could identify them through certain styles of clothing, pronouns, that kind of thing. But what about custom gender pronouns? Uh, are you trying to obscure the lines between womb men and men? That makes it harder to protect womb men's rights. What are you, some kind of right-wing fascist? Some kind of turf? Okay, now that's taken care of. Should women be expected to do the same kind of exploitative labor as the men? Of course not! If they get pregnant, they're out of the workforce. Good point! They should be expected to work less. We could make it work if men had a social obligation to support them and pay for things. Let us begin. The Council of Atheists who become theologians whenever the church is in the news cycle. I open the floor to Zachary the Wise. I went to 12 years of Catholic school. Oh, oh wow. That means he knows what he's talking about. And I'm pretty sure the Ten Commandments 
says thou shalt not judge. That's, That's deep. deep. It's That's not deep. true, but it's deep. And having rules is the same thing as judging. That's true. That's, That's true. so yeah, yeah. smart That's true. and true. I, for one, am personally against abortion, but I would never force my beliefs onto myself. Bridget, sister! And why does the church get to talk politics when they don't pay taxes? That's, That's so a great wow. point. Good That's point. accurate. Anyway, you should all check out Planned Parenthood's list of political endorsements. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I've fought Catholicism for my entire life. But now I'm deeply concerned that the church is losing its way. We care. We, we care. care so much. We I totally care. And I've never read the Gospels or a single Christian theologian. But I assume this is not what Jesus would have wanted. I assume so too. We can all safely assume so. Then the elders have decided the church should not be denying the Eucharist to anyone for any reason. Agreed. Agreed. What's the Eucharist? It's, no, uh, it's uh, I don't technically know. Perfect. Meeting adjourned. What are we going to be experts on next week? Ukraine could be back in the news. The U.S. must be involved in Ukraine. As someone who will never be drafted, it's... This is a Russian tank. Like the Pacific Salmon... Russian tanks migrate long distances from the abyss of Russia to end their lives in Ukraine's beautiful fields. Driven by an evolutionary desire to end their life somewhere better, after reaching Ukraine, all species of Russian tank die. The 2022 run was a major event for predators, such as Ukrainian SOF teams, TB2 Bayraktars, and local farmers on tractors. Most tank species pop their turrets to celebrate the end of their life cycles. And then on a totally different subject, but it should have been in the commie, comedy, are layers of fatness. This woke shit, I'm, I'm down with this because, well, I'm still chunky, but I used to be super fat. And, you know, I, I'm... I want my grievance class. Okay, this is the fatness spectrum. A small fat is a size 18 and lower, 1X or 2X. I'm a 4X, 5X. I'm a size 26, sometimes 28. I am the super fat you say I'm speaking over. What the fuck? She just wants to be the best fat person, and it looks like she's doing a good job at it. Then we end on a couple of wokes, and then a scary thing I saw, and a stupid thing I saw. Here is a Boston University professor saying that BLM riots were great because property is racist, and a white dude, the San Francisco manager, saying he's not going to stand because the country's in the wrong direction. Not because of Biden, but because of, you know, mega and shit. If we are gonna talk about George Floyd and really understand it, then we need to understand community reactions to it. And we often hear politicians, we hear civic leaders from inside black communities and from outside of them as well. We hear President Biden say, you know, I understand your frustrations, but don't destroy property. Well, when you say that to black people, who historically have been property, one of our greatest weapons against injustice 
was the looting of ourselves as property from the system of slavery. And what we see in communities is they're reacting to the very racism of what we call property, right? So that's why I think it's very important for, you know, people who see reactions in communities to not judge and to not make assumptions about what is good and not good reactions and not actually re-victimize communities by saying there's an acceptable and a not acceptable way to react. Listen to them. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't plan on coming out for, for the anthem going forward until I feel like um, there's, I, I feel better about the direction of our country. So that, that'll be the step. I don't, I don't expect it to, to move the needle necessarily. It's just something that um, I feel strongly enough about to, to take that step. I think I, the rest of what I wrote, I think explains the rest of that, yeah. I was having a hard time um, articulating my thoughts the day of the shooting and um, the day we went out there on the line. And sometimes for me, it, it takes me a couple of days to put everything together. I knew I was, I knew that I was um, not in my best space mentally. And I knew that it was in connection um, with some of the hypocrisy of standing for the national anthem and, and how it coincided with the moment of silence and how those two things didn't sync up well for me. But I wasn't quite sure I, I couldn't make sense of it in real time. And it took me a couple of days to pull all my thoughts together and, and to be able to articulate them clearly. Sometimes that happens for me. That's why I don't necessarily always. Yeah, they seem like nice people. They're really nice people. So this week in the military world, there were two things that came out. The guns or three things, really the new guns, which are really cool. Um, I've already covered it, so I'm not covering it again. And the base, realignment, name-wise, because of Confederacy and shit. Fort Benning, Fort Moore, Lieutenant Hal Moore. I can do that. Fort Bragg for Fort Liberty. And that was the local community, so we didn't want no bullshit. Liberty should what we have because we're thinking about what's not going literal, to... Literal local officials said, 20 years from now, the names you pick might not be right. It was such a jab back at the Army. I love it. Fort Gordon, Fort Eisenhower. AP Hill has become Fort Walker. Fort Hood, Fort Cavazos. Fort Lee, Fort Greg Adams. Pickett will become Barfoot, a Medal of Honor recipient. Fort Polk, Fort Johnson, and Fort Rucker, Fort Novosel after a Medal of Honor recipient. So they're really gonna go through with this because Confederate names and shit, those are bad. But maybe we should worry about people releasing this onto the public. This is Fort Bragg PSYOPs. What the fuck? and listens in horror, the peaceful pro-democracy demonstration in China comes to a violent and bloody end. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
wolves hiding nearby Whispering do or die around me another very important phase of warfare. It has as its target, not the body, but the mind of the enemy. The target of psychological warfare is against the enemy's mind. It is words and ideas. The ammunition used by Cywar. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers. And at the same time, is expected and encouraged to study foreign languages and the social sciences such as history, economics, and sociology. He must have a broad and sympathetic understanding of all phases of human experience. Gripping at my skin, the walls of night closing. But the use of this force as an integral part of combat has now taken on new forms. That's some scary shit. And we probably shouldn't be releasing that on TikTok and shit. So this ends another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please share this with your family and friends. Go to foppodcast.com. you find the link to the video and the audio. I am working five days this week. I will see you next Saturday morning. We will do another exciting show. Until then, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. And since tomorrow is Memorial Day, let's remember those we love. Once again, Memorial Day is for all those that we love, not just veterans. Veterans Day is Veterans Day. But today I'll be honoring, or tomorrow at work, Scott Carl. I'll be wearing his shirt and uh, remembering him. Until then, take care, my friends, and thanks for listening. Uh.